Let's return to All Things Employment with Vicki Causa on TalkZone.com. Hey, we're back. Great. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, for those of you that might have just tuned in, we're speaking with Pam Grushka. And Pam and I are discussing the benefits of engaging with an employee coach. So for anybody who's out there listening and would like to talk with us and ask questions about it, please feel free to call us at 888-463-6748 or 888-GO-FOR-IT. 888-463-6748. Pam, great having you on the show. Thanks so much. Let's continue talking about what uh, we were just chatting about. I've got some other questions I think folks might be able to gain knowledge from. So we talked about, you know, how do I know if I can use a coach? I guess now people may be thinking, how do I find a coach? You know, so coaching is available and it sounds like a great tool and I know I can benefit from them. How do I, how do I know whether or not, uh, how can I find a coach? So I think, Vicki, there's, there's numerous ways and, and, you know, it's pervasive and a part of our, our lifestyle these days. I mean, I have actually gone out to Google. And, you know, looked for, you know, a, a career coach or a life coach in X location. And you will get hundreds, literally. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that I, I, I raise that first because I think that's a good place for people to click on a few. See what they have to say in, in their websites, you know, potentially talk to someone, but just get a sense of what's out there. What are their credentials and backgrounds? What, what starts to resonate? I, you know, I, I would say there are better ways, and this is my opinion, to ultimately find a coach. But I think that's just a good place to get your feet wet and, and start to take a look again at what's out there in any particular uh, metropolitan or non-metropolitan area. And then I think there is, um, you know, you mentioned in, in the beginning of your show today, Vicki, the good old-fashioned relationship building and networking. And I would actually put that as the second best way to find a potential coach is to ask folks you know, have they ever worked with one or known of one in various organizations? Do they know anyone who perhaps does this? Do they know anyone who would know of someone? I think that when you start there, you know, you begin to actually cover two important points in this process with one action. That is that, that you, you get ideas via people you know and trust, and then secondly, you, you stumble upon or in the process of doing that, you actually gain some references, which I think is an important thing to do when you're looking for a coach. There are also um, a very, another very good source is the International Coach Federation. They actually have a um, website, and I'm looking for it here on my notes. When I find it, I'll share that with the group. But you can also type in um, International Coach Federation into Google, and you'll, you'll come up to it. They have a referral service. So those would be some of the primary ways to, to get started. But I think that number two thing I said, you know, asking around, Asking people you know is is perhaps one of the best ways to get a, a credible good coach. Well, Pam, I think that's a great you know a great segue into the whole networking you know um, 
field that people should start to look into because, as I said at the top of the show, the best way to get a new job or to get a really good job is through networking. And when you mentioned talking to people about who they know and what they know, I think if people start to think of this as an investment in themselves, right, whatever whatever you put into it, you get out of it. Think of any other big investments you might have made. You don't buy a car the first time you see one or you don't buy the first house you see. You look around, you start to ask questions, you start to talk about people who either live in the neighborhood or drive the same type of car. So when you're looking for a coach, I guess what you've said is absolutely true. Talk to people who either have used somebody in particular or knows somebody who can recommend somebody that's really good because really that's what networking is. You talk to people about what they may know. They may not have the answer for you, but they'll hopefully in turn be able to get you the answer through somebody that they know, through their network. So I think that's, a, that's an excellent analogy. I guess then, Pam, too, you mentioned before that the Federation for Coaching, and you mentioned it at the beginning when you started a chat, about credentials. Now, I guess the question would be, what credentials should a coach have? If I need to find a coach, do I need a credentialed coach, number one, and what credentials am I looking for? Right, and that is a big question, and there are a lot of answers to that. Let me let me try to uh, address that in in a bit of a summary fashion. Um, there are a lot of great coaches out there, and I think that um, there, as I mentioned earlier, there's really an array of backgrounds and credentials. So there, um, those who are certified by the International Coach Federation or coach you are certainly great people. There are people like myself who maybe have master's degrees in a related field, and there are a lot of great folks with PhDs who do coaching, and, and certainly, you know, with that kind of educational background, perhaps can provide help when there's more complexity or more experience behind a person. So some of those kinds of things, related educational background, coaching certifications, and um, and and those and the like are, I think, are important and something to look at. But my belief, and you know, and there are a lot of people out there, and I, I know that certified coaches and those who have educational backgrounds will support me in this. There are a number of folks out there who call themselves coaches and don't have any of that. Mm. I don't think that you must have one of those, but I think if someone doesn't have something like that, you know, you should begin to ask more questions. The next thing that I think is really important is experience. And that's where I think when I mentioned all the different types of coaching earlier, what is it that you're trying to achieve? So if you're trying to get ahead within an organization, someone who has experience within the type of organization or industry that you're trying to do that in could be really helpful. Um, you know, oftentimes it is HR-type professionals who've had some significant experience in that because they've done coaching inside of organizations, but they're certainly not the only people who can do that. I also know a number of successful executives who were very, very um, successful in their careers who have started to coach. And I think if if you find someone that has had similar experience as you or has made a change such as you who falls in that category, they can be very effective because they've done it. So I think you're, you're looking for a combination of potential credentials. You're looking for some experience that's relative and relevant 
for your situation and what you are trying to achieve. Um, because one size does not fit all. Mm. And many good coaches can provide an array of those things, but not necessarily all of those things. Well, that's an excellent description. I, I like what you said, too, about perhaps going to somebody who's had the same experience. Now, you may not be, you may not sort of tag that as coaching. You may not put a, a you know, sort of a title on it as that, but they're sharing experience with you, too. So whether or not they're credentialed in certain things, but they've lived through that experience, that may be beneficial as well. Would you agree to that? I would, and, and you know, an important follow-on point to that, Vicki, is, so, so what I would say is uh, someone who's uh, with the career and transition coaching that you're focusing on at this particular point in our, our nation's history, it, you know, someone who's actually been through that, I would say, you know, might be able to provide better perspective than someone who hasn't. And, yeah. and of course, I'm biased. At, you know, I'm biased <laughs> because twice in my career, I've been downsized myself. And the first time it happened to me, I said to the HR executives that I reported to at the time, I said, I think every HR professional should be downsized at one point in their career. And <laughs> pretty horrified faces. And I said, no, because I have had an invaluable experience Experience now to know what it feels like on the receiving end and to understand how I, as an HR professional, can do a better job being on the other side of the table in the future. And it has served me greatly, both professionally and personally. Professionally, to do that with more compassion, to get leaders within organizations I've been a part of to do it with more compassion and respect. Um, but it also has helped me to have gone through that. And, you know, I had a second opportunity to go through it. And I think given the economy right now, you know, I could be knocking on the door of a third. But, you know, I think someone who's been through that in particular can help people with that particular need now. And I, I would recommend listeners look for that. Well, that's an excellent point, Pam, and, and I'm not sure if you, you were on the call when we started the, the, the show, but I did mention that I was in the same situation as you. I mean, I had been, you know, I'd been in HR my whole life, and I have been downsized out of two different organizations, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I chuckled when I said every HR, when you said every HR professional should be downsized at least once. I think in this day and age, everybody will be absolutely downsized at least once. But I do think you learn from that. And I, I believe, and in some of the classes that we've taught here through Cause Associates, giving people the feeling and or the experiences that we've had as professionals having been on both sides of the table, you kind of get that look on their faces as if to say, well, you have no idea what I'm going through. And if you were the HR person, you know, you have no clue. And which, what we're trying to do is say, no, you know what, we absolutely know and I think the one thing that gets lost in companies, too, when these things happen is that HR people are employees, too. But that sort of gets lost a little bit, especially when there's that type of information to be shared or, or news to be given to people. So I think you're absolutely right when you say if you've been in the situation, other people can certainly gain from your experience and really learn from you what what it may feel like, what it you know what they may expect going through it. Although you can never really project what somebody else will feel, you have to go through it yourself. But at least you've got that insight, and I think that's a great I think that's great. Let me just give the callers the number again in case people want to call in and chat with Pam or myself. You could call us by dialing 888-463-6748 or dial 888-GO for it. That's G O F O R I T. 
So, Pam, let's continue with the conversation because I think you know people are learning a lot. I know I certainly am getting some clarification on things that I might have might not have thought of as far as coaching is concerned. I guess now we talked about how do you find a coach? Are credentials important, and and what do I look for in a coach? In, in as far as credentials are concerned, but I think once you've sort of narrowed down the field to where you may look for a coach, if in fact you got that name through networking or you got it through an association that you've done some background work on. How do you know if the coach is right for you? I mean, you start this relationship, you start this conversation, you're probably going to be giving the coach some personal information about yourself, right, about some goals that you might be wanting to achieve. Well, how are you going to know if that's the right coach before you decide to make this investment? Well, first of all, I think you approach the the securing or finding of a coach in the same way you would a job, and, and that is you, you are interviewing them. And you should take some time to, to get, begin to get clarity about what results you're trying to achieve in your life or your career at this point in time. Now, I say begin to get some clarity because one of the things that a coach can do for you is help you really take that all the way. But you, you want to have some sense of what you're trying to achieve because you want to be able to communicate that because... A good coach, a coach with integrity, is going to be able to say to you, I can do that for this reason, because of this background, because of this credentialing, or they can say, you know what, I'm not sure I can do that. Let's talk a little bit more, but I may be able to refer you to someone. You want, you want to be prepared with some sense of what you're trying to accomplish, the beginnings of it. And then you should have a set list of questions that you want to ask. You are interviewing someone who's going to be your partner in achieving goals that are very important to you. You've already made the philosophical decision to try and find a coach. You want to get the best coach you can, and you are responsible in that process for asking good questions and, you know, and making sure that, that this person can provide that to you. So you want to know what kind of experience they have. Do they coach in the area you need, or do they think they can provide help in what you're trying to achieve? You know, what, what in their background, um, you know, qualifies them? Can they provide you references? If someone is not willing to provide you references, I would say politely end the conversation. Um, you know, you might ask what their style is, because there's different styles. Are there any particular coaching methods or frameworks or processes that, that, that they use? Um, you know, what, again, do they have any coaching affiliations or, or certifications? You know, what, what can I expect from you? You know, do I have, and then there's some obvious things, but, you know, it's important to ask, you know, what, mm-hmm. what are the fees? How long do you require a certain length of, of contracting or a certain number of sessions? And, and all of those things are you know, some questions that you ask. So you, you develop those, and, th- and then you talk to people. And finally, you know, perhaps the most important thing, and, and this is an intangible, but you as a potential coachee will know it when you have it. Mm. That is rapport or fit. Yeah. And you can tell this even on the phone with someone, which is the way that a lot of coaching occurs these days. And, you know, if you spend some time asking these questions, listening to their answers, uh, talking to them about yourself a little bit, you, you're going to either feel a positive connection or rapport with an individual, a neutral one, or a negative one. And I would say 
when all your other criteria is met, the final thing is that positive rapport or connection. If it's neutral or neg, if it's negative, it should be obvious. Don't proceed right. with that individual. If it's neutral, I would say keep looking because this is the per- person that you want on your side, beside you, helping you, being your partner in your success. And so you really need that. And there's all different styles and all different ways that people connect. So it doesn't make them a bad coach if you don't have it with them. It just means they're not the right coach for you. Keep looking. And I guess what you're really saying in a nutshell is go with your gut, right? Yep. I mean, it, it's sort I of that whole do. thing. I, I remember, you know, advertisements years back when for wedding dresses of all things, but there was an ad that kind of struck me that said, you'll know it's the right dress just like you knew it was the right guy. So you just know. <laughs> I mean, it's either yeah, there I, I mean, or it's not. Know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, connection I, or not? Absolutely. It's all in the relationship and the connection. And the gut is the greatest thing to go by. You're absolutely right. I believe we've got a caller on the line wanting to know information about changing professions. Is that correct? Jamie, are you there? Uh, yes, I am here. Uh, my What's question your question? Is, Thank you for calling. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was wondering, um, I'm thinking about possibly changing careers. And so yes. into a different sector, right? So, so my resume obviously shows experience that's not really geared toward the, the sector I'm looking at. So I was wondering if there were any tips that you could give me on how I can get my foot in the door or, uh, with my resume or my cover letter, perhaps, um, you know, so that I can break into that sector. That's a great question, Jamie, and I'll be happy to answer that, and then I'll, I'll let Pam put some information if she has as far as the coaching side of it's concerned. But that for people looking to change careers at this point or get into different segments, and there are quite a lot of people doing that, especially with the job market being what it is today, depending on what your background is and what your experience is, your resume can be made, can be made to reflect generalized work that you've had as opposed to real niche work per se, you know, if you've had niche work in it. So depending on what your resume actually says, you can craft it in such a way that highlights some general experience that you've had and then maybe talk about some of the specifics if the specifics are not geared towards the the new job that you're trying to get to. The one thing that I would always say as well, say also is networking. Again, I know it sounds like a broken record, but networking is the best way to find opportunities, especially in a career or an industry that you do not have knowledge of. And the best way to do that really is to get involved with networking either at some association or a company that you know specializes in the type of work that you're looking to get into and speak with professionals in that that association about what does it take to be in this profession? What would I need to do to be successful? My background is A, but I'm trying to get into this, you know, this type of industry where you are, which is B. What do you think my transferable skills are and how do I go about making a mark there? So I think it's absolutely you know, a possibility to change industries. I know you, you don't mention what industry you're in or how long you've been in it, but I don't think that matters. I think if you've got a good career history and steady work history and, and good accomplishments, I think it's easy enough to really start to the process of that. Now, as far as the resume is concerned, what I would really suggest is that you have somebody look at it for you, a professional resume writer, especially if you're looking to get into a segment or a career or an industry that you have not been in before. And what transferable skills would that resume writer suggests that you include on the document so that it piques the interest of the person looking at it because the last thing you want to do is have someone look at your resume and be turned off immediately because it doesn't really pop or it doesn't really have something that's going to want them to look further into it. So I'd suggest, number one, you, you take, you know, get the opportunity to network in a 
situation you haven't been in before in the industry you may want to get into and then speak with a resume writer to help you do that. Now you mentioned two cover letters which is a great you know great question these days and a lot of people really don't put as much emphasis on cover letters as they need to and cover letters really are very very important when submitting resumes anywhere because that's really the ticket that's going to get your resume reviewed further. So if your cover letter has unique information on it or has enough compelling information that makes the reviewer want to look further, you've got at least the chance of impressing them with your skills and credentials. And again, a good resume writer can help you do that and craft the letter and the resume towards the new industry that you're looking to. Pam, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Is there anything you can suggest as far as coaching for a new career? Well, and I think that um, Vicki has hit upon, uh, Jamie, some of the really important things. And, and I was going to say if she didn't, but I, I knew she would because she's a competent professional. I think that when you are thinking about changing, you know, industries or, or careers, I do think that's the time to invest in yourself with a, with a resume writer because they're going to look at it with a fresh set of eyes. They're going to ask you questions and pull out those generic or general or transferable skills and help you highlight them, which I, I think is very important. I think the networking piece couldn't be more important, and I think that's where you know, trying to hook up with someone who's in a company or an area that you want to get into and asking them what's important right now in that industry or company, what they're looking for, and then perhaps asking them to review your reworked resume. And even more important, as you apply for jobs in different industries or companies, I always like to encourage people from a coaching perspective to get what what we call a warm referral. And and because right now jobs are out there, you know, probably hundreds of people might be applying for a particular job. And I don't say that to be discouraging, but I think part of what we all need to do is is, is be, you know, realistic about about this the landscape right now. But you know, through networking, finding somebody who works at that particular organization that might be able to make a referral for you. That always gives you a leg up. And, you know, not that um, I'm not advertising or stumping for LinkedIn, but I just have to say that that and other sites like it are so helpful with networking now because when, when I have a coachee who's looking at a particular organization, I will say go out and do a search in one of the professional social networking tools for that company, see who comes up, See if there isn't somebody that knows somebody that you know that you can get hooked into. I, I had a coachee call me this morning and say, I saw a job opening at X company. Do you know anybody there? Um, you know, can you help me network in? And, and as a matter of fact, I do know somebody there. So in that instance, I was able to directly help them. But otherwise, what I would have suggested is that we network together to find someone. I think that becomes important across the board, but certainly when you're looking to change industries, it gives you a leg up that others may not have. Great, Pam. That was, I think that was great advice, and I hope that answers the caller's questions. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back on the other side, so join us again for All Things Employment. We'll be right back. 